This is your Womanhood After Motherhood podcast, episode number two, with guest Margot Froley. Welcome to Womanhood After Motherhood. I'm your host, Reva. Can we be genuinely invested as mothers and at the same time make ourselves and our wants and needs a priority? I'm on a journey interviewing moms to discover how they are nourishing their independent spirits, making room for their passions, and claiming their space as women. I invite you to come on this journey with me, and together we can start this important conversation and inspire and ignite the light in each other. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, I'm speaking with Margot Froley. She's a TV writer, a development executive, author of young adult fiction, and mom to four-year-old Ruby. She holds a film degree from USC and has worked her way through the ranks of Hollywood. She's sold two young adult mystery novels published by Soho Teen Random House. She's worked with The CW, Oxygen, Go90, MTV, and has written several movie of the weeks based on true crime events for Lifetime. Please welcome Margot Froley. Margot, welcome to Womanhood After Motherhood. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hi. I want to dig right in, and I would love to start with when you got home from the hospital with Ruby, what surprised you the most about being a mom? I think the thing that really struck me, I didn't get it until I was like holding her, but this thing of, oh, I am your mother. I am I am the thing you're going to go talk about in therapy 20 years from now, but like I am <laughs> your imprint of what like love means. And there was a weird pressure about that of like, oh my God, don't mess it up. Like the concept of unconditional love, that's on me to instill in her. And it kind of like, I didn't, I don't know that I fully connected those dots until I was like holding her and it was like, oh God, don't like, oh, but it did, you know, it also really put in contrast um, my own, my own parenting of how I was raised. Like there's really nothing that kind of shows you what you were brought up with. So it just, it brought a lot of that to the surface in a whole new lens, um, for better or worse. But it just, it was like, oh, so what I got was X, but what I can do is Y. And there's a, there's such an ability to kind of course correct, Mm. but you have to look at X first. But that was a really interesting, like the pressure of, you don't just need to repeat what you had. And I kind of also got a very clear vision of what I didn't have as parent, as growing up with. Um, So there was a lot that was brought to the surface in a way that like, you know, uh, (laughs) bringing home baby doesn't quite prepare you for (laughs) all the parenting books. It, it, yeah, I mean, so many. I read. I have never read so many books in my life than I did when, from like when I was four months pregnant to when I was like the first year. I read so many books. I'm like, I want to do this right. I had the same feelings, and and this sense, there's something really the, like the psychological like possibility of I get to parent this one how I wished I was parent and I didn't I I couldn't have asked for that when I was five yeah for my mom to parent me differently but I get the opportunity to kind of also like heal myself in a way and to do that for her and so like things like she gets frustrated and angry and I get to like find a way to answer that with love as opposed to answer that with like well I can't deal with you and I'm gonna walk away like 
it just the small little things, but it but it builds up. So I mean, look, she's going on five. We kind of constantly are like, is that one going to end up in the therapy office? Like, I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like, I'm always aware that like something's going to end up in therapy because you have to differentiate yeah. yourself from your parents to a certain degree. But um, you know, <laughs> yeah, no pressure. And I think for me that it really made me think about not just how I'm acting and reacting with her, but also things that I'm doing. And so one of the things, you know, that I've been really thinking about is this non-mothering femininity. And so I'd love to hear what helped you reconnect with your like fierce woman self. Um, well, two things, because what comes, what comes to mind too, when you were talking about all the books is the the anxiety and the like man the industry that thrives on mom anxiety Mm -hmm. so it's not that i'm gonna read one baby book it's that i'm gonna read all of the baby books and how dare you not read all the baby books because you haven't done you then you must not be a good mother for your kid and somewhere early on like we read the the I think it's bringing up Bebe the French one. Oh, I love and that, that one. Was, that, that was, was like my husband. Yeah, my husband. And I read that and we were like, "This is good. We're good." Yes. And we kind of and we gave that to the grandparents and we were like, "This is this is going to be our philosophy. Let's just everyone get on board." And it had a very clear like, "Your child is not the sun. Like you do not revolve around them." And and very early on, we were like, "Yes, that is going to be our philosophy," and we really stuck to that. But kind of an extension of that also was like, I found I found. And I still, look, we're deciding on kindergartens and it feels like, I remember this with deciding on a stroller. It felt like if you don't choose the right stroller for your kid, your kid is not going to Harvard. (laughs) And like, there was a very direct line between the two (laughs) in the way mom anxiety works of like, then their neck won't develop and then their brain and then they clearly won't be capable of logical reasoning. Like it's, but you're still dealing with like a thousand dollar stroller purchase, which is insane also, but it was a very direct line. And so I like that early on, we, I think we had moments cause it's like, we did not have, I did not have the money for a thousand dollar stroller. That was, and, and we like yeah. got this beautiful stroller on Craigslist that my sister got us that we have had to this day and it does the job. So very early on, just going back to your non-femininity of like, yeah, this is what we got and you'll be fine. And, and not that I want less for my kid, but I, I kind of refuse to get caught up because it's the, the anxiety is not serving anybody. It's not making the anxiety of I didn't do it right is not making me be better, a better mom for my kid. And you get what you get and you'll be fine. And uh, I kind of, you know, we did not have baby wipe warmers when we were children and our bottoms are fine. (laughs) We can handle a wet wipe. They're literally called wet wipes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like, it's just stuff like that of like, I'm not going to get sucked into that. I kind of refuse to play that game. Yeah. And in terms of connecting with, and I, 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 you know, we do so easily, like even in this conversation, I find like it's so easy to talk about the kids so much, but really we, I want, I want to hear about you. I'm like, what did you do? What did, you know, you mentioned that you um, did some weightlifting or some training and I was like, I want to hear about that. I want to hear about. Oh yeah. So it was, it was after, so I forget when, um, I mean, it must, it was like a couple months. Cause I, I went back to work at probably four months cause she was a preemie. So I think she was four months. I went back to work. Um, and 
I think it was when I was working and just, I got to have a schedule. I got to have a fairly supportive work environment. And then I started mm-hmm. going back to my classes at like the Hollywood YMCA, which I just from the Hills will shout how much I love that place. Yeah. Um, and it's, there's a weightlifting class there and it was kind of, there was something really cool about like, I don't know, you have that like mom soft body of like, I'm going to use a barbell today. And there was something really neat about shifting, um, like getting a pride about strength. And also your, mm-hmm. when you're carrying a kid all day, it's amazing how you get kind of lopsided. Like my left arm mm-hmm. is really strong because um, she's just there. And she's five and she's just still there. And it's, I, I like she's 40 pounds, man. Um, so it's like, I, there's something cool that I was, I was thinking of like, well, you're a mom. So like you should, you know, yoga and we're just going to slow it down. It was like, I don't want to do that. I'd, I want to get hard. <laughs> I want to get ripped. <laughs> I lift weights. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it has astounded me how, how many things have changed since I became a mom about like myself. And one of the things is my strength. The idea that prior to having a child, I couldn't have carried 25 pounds of a sleeping baby in a car seat and then like gross an armful of grocery bags up up 10 stairs I could not have done that and all of a sudden I'm like superwoman I can do you know and so it's like we, we get these little superpowers and I do feel like you we're just stronger you just become physically stronger I always I always say like we like we grow a new organ, let alone a person, but like the placenta, we grow a new organ that is also like then ends up being extraneous. Why can't we grow a, a third limb? Like a third arm, if, my, yes. if we normalize having three arms, that just seems more fair. Like we need them. It's amazing. Like it's amazing what you do with each finger when, it, when they're all available <laughs> and what moms can yeah. carry between like a water bottle, the keys, your phone, groceries, a car seat, and like a sippy cup and a bear and a snack and you're like yeah no I'm covered I've got the I've got these are all the fingers they're all being used but a third arm man yeah one of the things that surprised me and I know this is so ridiculous but one of the things that surprised me uh, once I had a kid at home was oh we can't just go for ice cream on Friday night at 10 o'clock because it's a beautiful summer night like oh we one of us has to stay at the house. <laughs> like I, I know that's ludicrous that I didn't think of that, but I really, I, I mean, of course I knew you can't leave a baby by themselves, but I really, I hadn't, I, I didn't understand that that was for me like a little piece of what I would consider my freedom to be able just to take a walk on a nice summer's night. Oh, there, there isn't because the child is sleeping and you're not going to wake the child up and you're at home. You can't spontaneously just get a babysitter at, you know, 10 o'clock at night to go down the street for half an hour. And so, yeah, really having, it's like a whole new way of like navigating the social time, but also the social time you want to have with your husband mm-hmm. and you take these amazing trips to Bali, which I mean, I just am so envious of when I see your Instagram posts about these. So I'd love to um, talk about when you decided to start doing these trips and, and why did you make it a priority? It sounds so indulgent. Like it really, it felt so luxurious. So I, I was on, um, the first time I was away from Ruby, I was on a show that had me traveling a little bit and I got the job 
thinking it would be kind of a, a clean post-production. I just needed to be in LA. There was a safety in that. And then very quickly, everything shifted on the show because it's production and things do that. Um, and I was, I was then on shoots directing all the shoots um, in San Francisco about two weekends a month for like three or four months. And then, so that was kind of the beginning of a little bit of like feeling the tether stretch. And then um, my husband and I were in a, in a group that was kind of doing kind of life coachy stuff. And we, there was a tr- chance to go to Bali and, and we were like, well, maybe one of us can go. And our life coach was kind of like, or both of you can go, you can make it happen. And it, it didn't, it didn't even occur to us. Not only did we have like, you know, oh, this is different, but it, we were like, that's not even possible, is it? Yeah. Um, and then, and then we were like, oh, wait a second. What if that is, po- is that a thing? Both parents can leave at the same time. Like it just, it took a minute to even like learn the language of that. Um, and then, uh, and then we were kind of in the like, okay, what is, what is possible here? So we decided to go together and the biggest leap we did was we had um, my husband's father come and stay with Ruby for, this was like 10 days. Um, wow. And, you know, she was about a year and a half. She goes to daycare nearby. We plied him with like babysitter every other day to come in and just like kind of play with her and help him manage. Um, but he was not a super hands-on dad. So there was kind of nothing of him as grandpa that mm. showed us that he could do this. Um, and even my mother-in-law was like, just remember, this is not a guy that changed diapers. Like, and you're suddenly going to have, like, he didn't change his own kid's diapers and he, grandpa's going to come and be miracle grandpa. And it was kind of a real leap of faith, but it was, he really wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And we had to, we had to believe in him, but it was also like, what if he can do it? What would that do? How cool would that be? So it was actually, and, and he, he went on his own retreat, basically. Like he got to spend time with his granddaughter, in a way that he had never done probably with his own kids to a certain degree too. They have a, he and he and Ruby now have a really amazing bond. Um, and then Joel and I got mm-hmm. to go to Bali and reconnect and remember who each other is and, and remember who each individual is and give ourselves that gift. So we, we, we went twice, um, once each year for about 10 days. And then last year I just went by myself actually right at the beginning of the pandemic. Like I got home and then like borders closed. Um, but it's kind of a gift that like we believe firmly in. Yeah. A gift to yourself. And that really is going back to, you know, my question about creating boundaries or, or carving out time. This trip really sounds like it is. So just st- jumping back to when Ruby is a year and a half and you get this new contract all, and all of a sudden you are spending two weekends a month in San Francisco, what was that like? I'm in nice hotels. I'm like on set having fun with a new crew that was lovely. It was, I mean, the mom guilt says that I should have been really sad, but also it was like, oh, I'm a person and I'm good at my job. And nobody here wants to hear about my kid. Everybody's young. It was like, great. I think there was like one other parent. So like I had somebody to like share baby pictures with. Um, But uh, it was, it was nice. It was nice. Like I love me a good hotel robe and like, you know, like a a, a good like room service situation after like a 14 hour shoot day. It was kind of a like mini spa, like for a hardworking trip, it was kind of a mini, mini mom spa time. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mentioned to you, uh, last week I spent two nights at a hotel. And I it was, that. I mean, I worked. And that's in your days, own town. That's so fun. I, <laughs> in my own town. I was like, it's only like 20 minutes from my house. But I was half naked, half drunk, working the entire two days. It was just room service. The poor guy delivering the room service. I was like, I, I'm just whooping it up. The mu- I brought my Bluetooth speaker. I had music blaring. I just, it was so amazing to have my own space my own energy and it was really uh yeah so so helpful so yeah. man well, those, and, those hotel I, rooms that's... i think i mean man a hotel room right it's just i i am I, I feel like so much of society says you have a kid and you're done and and mom being a mom somehow replaces who you were before then and it's like well the whole new motherhood journey starts i'm like yeah, yeah, but I don't know that one just the other being just stopped being, and I I, I think that's a false narrative and a false choice. Um, but like the hotel room, really, like it's just the ability to be alone and to like you're still a mom. You didn't stop worrying yeah. about your kid. You're not unavailable if your kid breaks her arm. Like it's that kind of a thing. Yeah. But also, yeah. it's so important to rem- I I think and I think it's better for your kid. I mean, Ruby had a phase where her favorite game was I go to work now. And she like packs a bag and I go to work now and like, you know, goes to the front door and rings the doorbell and comes back and I'm home from work now. Um, And it's like, I'm great with that is her game. That's great. She has a lot of work to do. We have type, we have old vintage typewriters. She likes to do a lot of work on her typewriters. I'm like, this is, (laughs) she doesn't, she doesn't like, we play family, but she doesn't like play house. Um, It's, it's interesting to see just those small little shifts. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about this, but I, I feel like being able to have those moments for ourselves, um, we're also showing our children that it's important for them to also have those moments and really know that they, the things that are important to them are valuable and that they are worthy of, you know, independence and ambition and all of those things. So yeah, it's, it's important in so many different ways, not just because I, you know, got a, what I planned to have a good night's sleep, but you know what, to tell you the truth, I didn't even sleep well because I was so exhilarated that I had all of this free space and time. So I actually slept less at the hotel room than I did at home, which which I found quite ironic. <laughs> um, yeah, but I would it, love to. No, I was just going to say it's amazing how it's a different kind of sleep, right? It's not the like, yeah. oh, my God, please leave me alone. I just need a solid night's sleep. It's yeah. like. I'm buzzing. Why? Why not? Like, I guess yeah. I'm going to stay up late because I'm a grown up and I can do that. Like, I mean, my husband <laughs> and I definitely we had moments. We took her home from the hospital. I remember very distinctly we were like walking out in the parking lot with her, and we kind of looked back at the hospital. Like, so they're just let. So is there an adult that's going to come with us, or like the word they're just letting us take this baby yes. home? And so like, and it's just us now. Like we're just looking at each other. Like, are wait. Are we the, we're the adults? We keep saying like when the adults show up and we're like, oh shit, we're the adult. We're the adults in the room. That is super weird. Like, so, cause I, we have like yes. other mom friends and I still consider them the adult, but I'm like, oh, I'm one of you. That's weird. <laughs> My husband and I had the exact same thing. We're like, really? Nobody is like, we can just do this. Nobody's going to be watching They're us not concerned and- about us. Like they looked at us and they <laughs> talked to us and they were like, yeah, you're good to go. Really? Should we do a better test about that? Like, should there be a better screening process? (laughs) That's amazing. Um, (laughs) 
So I know you have some really strong feelings uh, on mommy wine culture, and mm. I am right there with you. And I love how you said to me earlier how um, parenting is hard and wine doesn't fix that. And I just loved that so much. So I would love you uh, to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So around when when Ruby was around two, we had a moment in Trader Joe's where, you know, we were getting juice and crackers and then there's like the rosé tower and I was about to grab a bottle and she was like mommy it's your juice and it was like oh that's not cute (laughs) that's not cute and I have entirely built that and she's two um and and this sense of like mommy needs her juice and all the freaking wine glasses with the and the and the jokes and the shirts and the hats and rosé all day and just was like oh, that's gross. And, and it's super kind of commodified and cutesy. And I mean, we, we have a, we have a a group with her school and every week we would go to the park and the moms are always pouring, pour, we have, we have the park red, we pour at the park in our plastic cups. And it was like, this is not a good look. Um, and how slippery it is. So I, I have stopped drinking wine. I don't drink anymore. Um, neither my husband and I drink anymore. And I feel like we've shifted that narrative. And but I, I find it really gross. I find it I, again, I don't begrudge anybody their glass of wine. But I just find the like, industry of mommy wine culture to be very um, slippery. And, and how this narrative of parenting is hard, have a you deserve a glass of wine at the end of the day because of parenting. It's like, so is that making you a better parent? Is that how's that helping you actually parent? Yeah, well, yeah, and it, yeah, it's become this sort of, you know, sort of kitschy joke. And, but I do feel like then it, it just becomes this, like, I don't know, just sort of acceptable. And then women who are feeling overwhelmed instead of dealing with, why they're feeling overwhelmed or communicating with their partners or their children. They're just go into the kitchen and pour themselves a glass of wine and sit amongst the chaos of their mind in their living room instead of actually dealing with how they're feeling. It's, it's, it's a really slippery crutch because it's not solved. If you, if you need help in your life, if you're overwhelmed, then that's what you got to talk to your partner about or, or your kid, like something needs to change. Wine is not solving that. And, and that break you're taking is not solving that. Um, and it's super, I mean, women are the fastest growing, um, like, like we have alarming rates of liver cirrhosis in hospitals, like, like hospitals are seeing 30 year old semi-healthy women with decaying livers. Like we have started drinking in the way we take up yoga. Like we have started drinking like Gwyneth told us to, you know, <laughs> like, and wow. it's, we are invested in how heavily we are drinking as women right now. It's crazy. So I just think that's a huge part of it is this, you know, the booze industry did a great job of making, of finding a market. Um, yeah. But I think that's an interesting thing that this generation is now showing our kids. Um, in, in a new way. And it's also like, I don't want my daughter to feel like she's, I mean, I even, I even said to her last weekend and I felt bad about this, but like I said, like, you're just being a lot right now. Um, she was just being super extra (laughs) about everything and I couldn't quite handle it. And it's like, I don't want her, I want her to be her like fullest self, you know? So I shouldn't be, I shouldn't try and diminish that, but it's like, I don't want my kid to feel like I, they drove me to the bottle. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Margo, thank you so much for thank you. With this is like such today. an important conversation. Oh, thank you. I like to uh, close the show with a personal mantra, an affirmation that we can say to ourselves in a tough moment to sort of help us refocus and remind us of the women we are. Margo, I would love for you to please share your mantra with us. That's a, that's a very fun one. And my mantra is, this is all part of the adventure. This is all part of the adventure. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Join us on Instagram at Womanhood After Motherhood to continue the conversations. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for updates on the latest episode. See you next week for episode three.